online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. You're listening to the business of food with Asma Khan. This podcast is brought to you by Distill Ventures. At Distill Ventures, we're always on the hunt for the next great drinks idea. We believe that true brand innovation comes from those who are often overlooked. And with our pre-accelerator, we aim to find those founders. With our pre-accelerator, we're searching for founders from underrepresented communities who need the funding and support to kickstart their vision. To apply to Distill Ventures pre-accelerator or to begin your journey in creating a new drinks idea, head to www.distillventures.com now. I, I, you know, I doubt myself every day. It's something that I have. I'm, I question myself. I'm sometimes I'm not that kind to myself, and I'm, I'm not. I can't talk for the for the rest of the industry. But what I've noticed is that I started uh, as I was working in the bar, but also, you know, it was a really male-driven industry. I started taking more the the masculine side of myself and, you know, being more aggressive or, or a bit more taking more space. And, and, and sometimes that felt very, very, you know, foreign to me because I, I, I'm not like that. I'm a soft, soft person. I try to be a kind person. Well, I'm really, really excited to introduce a guest on my show. It's really you know, very rare that you see a, a female entrepreneur who seems to be everywhere doing everything. And, you know, very, very cutting edge, almost ahead of our times. So with uh, great excitement, uh, I want to say hello to Hi Ara. Hi, Asma. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much. So the thing is that, you know, I mean, I know this is very cliche, but, you know, I hear this all the time, you know, about women who are at the very top of their game um, in the hospitality business because there's so few of, you know, female chefs around. You're a rarity because, you know, you're doing very interesting stuff in the drinks world. But before that is the, the second part of our conversation, I want to first talk about who you are and your journey. And of course, as you are you know, here, I, I would let you start off by saying, because you know, I've, I've read your story, very, very fascinating, also very brave because you, know, you, did, you went to different places, different cultures, and you excelled over there. So let's start off by you know, where did you study? Where were you born? And then let's talk about Amsterdam and your time there. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, it is quite an odd story. And uh, yeah, it all started. I'm, I'm a Mexican, Mexican born and raised. And when I was born in Mexico City, when I was around 18, I, I came to Amsterdam. And um, it was a weekend trip, as I did a, a, a year before an exchange program in Belgium. And then I, before going back to Mexico, I thought, well, why not? I'm next to Amsterdam. I'll go and visit it. When I came to Amsterdam, I set foot um, outside Central Station and I fell in love with the city. The canals, the, the, the skies are so blue. Of course, sometimes they're really rainy and gray. But um, everyone is so open in Amsterdam and also quite direct, which uh, was very difficult to get used to it at the beginning. But now I'm, I'm very used to that. And I actually just that week and called my parents and I told them, I'm not coming back uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to enroll at a university here in Amsterdam and I got a job in a bar and it was a, it was a great time uh, working at the bar. It was the times of, you know, um, sex and the city. So we were making a lot of cosmopolitans, thousands of cosmopolitans. I remember back then and vodka martinis. And for me, just working at the bar was home, um, making drinks, engaging to to guests, but also that, you know, the bar community is quite it's, it's became my family. So I, I studied 
finance because my father is an economist and I, I thought I wanted to follow his steps. I did a master's in finance. And then when I graduated, I realized I was not ready to go to a day job. And I started another master's again in finance. But actually what I wanted to do is just continue working at a bar. So I worked in a, several bars uh, in Amsterdam. And then, uh, you know, finally the day came when I got uh, my graduation and I couldn't just stay forever in school and I wasn't sure what to do. And I knew I didn't want to go and work at a bank. So I called, um, you know, I was working for a spirits company called uh, Lucas Balls, which is quite a global uh, drinks company really focused on, on on cocktails. And I asked for a job and uh, luckily I got the job there and I worked there for um, 11 years uh, from bartender to, you know, um, brand manager and global brand manager. But I guess the one, I've learned many things, but I got a biggest learning. I think one of the biggest learning of my life is at some point I had to organize, uh, we were organizing this uh, was quite small cocktail competition just to get more bartenders to start working with uh, with the product. And the brief was easy, uh, create a cocktail and make a video. And this is just the beginning of YouTube, right? And I know Facebook was also really at the beginning. Make a video of you making the cocktail and send it to us. And the thing exploded in a really positive sense as bartenders around the world, I think there were something like 80 countries sending their videos, but it was not just a video of the cocktails, which is what we thought was going to happen. They started working with uh, production agencies and even you know, famous bands in their country made a video and uh, sorry, made a, a song for the video. And it just, you know, the, the whole thing was really beautiful. And I guess the biggest, one of the biggest learnings was that whenever you give a platform uh, to talent, you don't have to do anything else. Talent will, will you know, will, will thrive and, and uh, will you know, we'll grow their network and we'll get together. And then, well, after 11 uh, really nice years there, I was doing consulting. I opened a couple of businesses in Amsterdam. But then I decided to, you know, I've always the, the Mexican woman in Amsterdam. And I really wanted to understand, um, I mean, am I Mexican? Am I, you know, what am I? So I decided to go back to Mexico City and reconnect with my roots. And then, of course, my parents are there. And I, when I was there, I just, you know, realized how, how magic the city, uh, Mexico City is and all the... You know, when you go to the markets so or the gastronomy, the, the, the ingredients that are there, and there's also so much talent behind the bars. And also, in the, of course, restaurants are already famous. So then I met now one of my best friends and my business partner, uh, Paula. She was also in the, in, the, in the industry, in the spirits industry. And then we decided to create another platform called uh, Barra Mexico, which became a, what's a trade show for the industry, but then with the same, you know, thinking that it's a platform where, where talent can 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 thrive, and you know, bars and, and bartenders get together with Mexican ingredients, and also you know all these agave spirits and craft beer, and and now it's uh, seven years running. Um, the company is just the bar bar show is mainly female led, and all the agencies we work with are are are, are led by by women, and also we we do our best to give a podium also in the seminar rooms for female bartenders and and experts. And while I was working at Barra Mexico, I realized that the that the, the waste how wasteful our industry can be. You know, it's just a lot of you know plastic or or you know glass production, and there's a really high impact in our environment. And then I realized that I wanted to know more on how to make our industry a bit more sustainable. So after I think four years, I decided to go back to school again, and I came back to Amsterdam to do a master's in sustainability and really to get get on the, under, a better understanding of the supply chain of the drinks industry. And then in this kind of sabbatical year, I got a phone call from uh, Distill Ventures and then they offered me a, a job. And it was 
uh, yeah, it was so, so exciting. As I always saw these two ventures as the Silicon Valley of the industry. And it's, you know, it's a very entrepreneurial and a startup minded and, you know, the great, great experts are there, but also accessing this big network of experts of the agile. I tried to summarize my my life in 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 you know, five minutes and now i've been working at the steel ventures already for three years and um we're we just started a new project that i'll talk to you a little bit more about in a in, in some minutes <laughs> well i mean just listening to you i feel breathless uh because you make it sound so effortless you know and that everything is connected you know but when you think of you know actually just looking if you were to visualize the map and see how you were moving uh between places you know very very distant places and you know you went back to your roots and this is really interesting but you know what completely fascinates me is this whole idea that you know female driven you know that you've said this more than once in in this short description of of your story where you talk about you know that if I give people a platform you know talent will always come out and this is so interesting because you know there are not many people who do this and this is why it is so exciting to to see you know to to actually you know listen to someone like you but also to see where you are right now in uh you know the the pre accelerator that you know we're going to discuss later but it is this you know people with attitudes where it is about really about talent but being aware that you know this is not an equal stage men and women women do need an opportunity to come forward and i think that 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 is so important because i think often people don't pick this up that if there aren't any people holding the door open for you you know the doors will always be closed because you're not sure that you are welcome but clearly that was not something that you suffered from lack of confidence or feeling you didn't belong but i wanted to ask you before we moved on to what you're doing now that you know how hard has it been it doesn't sound like you've had difficulties because you've been a female do you sometimes feel quite isolated do you think it's very difficult being a woman in the drinks business um yeah i'm so glad you touched that point and i i you know i doubt myself every day it's uh it's something that you know i have i'm i'm i i, I question myself i'm sometimes i'm not that kind to myself and i'm i'm not i can't talk for the for the rest of the industry but what i've noticed um in the past is that i started uh, as i was working in the bar but also you know it was a really really male driven industry i started taking more the the masculine side of myself and you know being more um i would say aggressive or or a bit more taking more space and and, and sometimes that felt very very you know foreign to me because I, i i'm not like that i'm a soft soft person i try to be a kind person and um and afterwards i i read a book called rebel ideas and it really made me understand the importance of of diversity and of diverse ideas and i i decided to stop that and just to be really um true to myself and if i'm soft if i'm kind if i try i mean i if i try to be empathetic and you know team player and listen more i should continue doing that and uh that's a has a big change in my life i i i hope that that um that more people in the workplace try to start understanding the 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 magic and the power of soft skills no no you're absolutely right and i think that you know you hear this a lot in uh in my industry where people talk about you know how tough uh the female boss was how unsympathetic that they had to go to to nursery because their child was sick you know as if you know 
they probably never did this themselves, but making this female, much younger female feel guilty for putting her family, you know, in front uh, in, in an emergency. And, you know, and you hear about tough female chefs who are very, very aggressive. And I think that this is the point you touched on is very important. And I completely agree with you because, you know, I think, you know, you can be kind and you can be soft and you can be decent and you can be a team player and, you know, encourage and support your team and not use fear and bullying and undermining people to establish your authority. And I see so many women doing this because too many women see success in men, in male terms, because usually the people on the top are usually successful men. And there isn't anybody that you can look at and get, you know, who can be like an emotional mentor to you, that you can see someone who is kind and, you know, who's kind and still very powerful and, you know, successful. And this is what makes you so interesting that you are, you know, you're all of that. You know, you've been extremely successful, you know, obviously, you know, headhunted for this new uh, pre-accelerator program, which is Digital Ventures. And um, before we talk about, you know, what you think, I think a lot of people who are listening to this are potential entrepreneurs and people who, you know, may want to kind of have great ideas. But I think that, you know, if you're not trained in this area and you're not from finance background and you're not from, you know, a, or your friends are not people who talk about these things, the idea of an accelerator is something that people would be like, you know, what is it? So maybe before you actually talk about Digital Ventures, you know, I think if you could just briefly touch upon and considering that, you know, you have a finance background, I think just briefly explain, you know, what does, you know, what is an accelerators program? What do they do? Who is eligible? And what is the outcome? And why, sh- why you should be brave and go to someone who offers a service like this? Yes, of course. So Distill Ventures is uh, uh, um, we're the first drinks accelerator uh, in the world. And we are independent. However, Diageo is our sole, our sole investor and, and partner. So basically what we we do is provide seed funding. We provide funding and expertise for founders who like to build the brands of the future. However, in this journey, we, we realize that there is, um, you know, what can I tell you? There's a big lack of representation in ownership in, in companies in our industry. And we, we, we also uh, realize that this is due to a lack of funding. So we decided to, 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 to build a program called the Pre-Accelerator. And basically it is a more accessible runway to unlock seed funding, um, and and it's only is really tailored for underrepresented founders, um, and the plan either the idea behind it is just to founders that have um, a pro, uh, a brand that which just you know new to market maybe they have they're in a couple of bars or or you know they they're selling online but they just haven't had the access uh, to to the right funding that through our pre accelerator not only they get funding but they also get all the expertise of 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 Diageo and also the Steel Ventures but I think more importantly uh, the access to the network because at the end of the day, it's very important in the industry to get access to the, you know, the, the, the introduction to the right buyer or, you know, to the, to, to, to the bar owner. And I think what we have at Distill Ventures, which I'm very grateful, is some mindset of listening. So we, we learn as much from founders uh, than they can learn from us and from, from the expert. So um, in order to apply for this pre-accelerator, it's, it's, it's really open to all, all entrepreneurs that have um, the, the, the field underserved. 
um, could be, you know, female founders or, or you know, founders that identify as LGBTQ IA+, or, you know, different, um, I mean, the world is so rich, uh, different uh, ethnic and or cultural identities. And all you have to do is apply at our website at distillventures.com. Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. You're listening to The Business of Food with Asma Khan, brought to you by Distill Ventures. To apply to Distill Ventures Pre-Accelerator or to begin your journey in creating a new drinks idea, head to www.distillventures.com now. Now, this is fascinating. And the thing is that, you know, what an accelerator program does is essentially it opens doors for you, everything that you mentioned, but it also, the most critical thing is funding. And, you know, the problem is, you know, I know this personally, uh, you know, creative people and people who have ideas often don't have money and people who have money don't have the creative ideas. So something like this allows, you know, the worlds to collide together in a program where highly creative people, you know, someone like you who's been through the journey, you've actually walked the walk and talked the talk. You've actually done, you've done all of this uh, in your own lifetime, you know, starting off from the bar to where you are now, where you are being able to, you know, pick up, you know, and support, uh, you know, women or pe- other, other people who, you know, feel not, uh, you know, wel- not welcome, but not as part of this drinks business on the fringes, I would say. It's been three years. Uh, I don't know whether you're actually allowed to name names, but I just thought it might be interesting for people who are listening to know the kinds of products or people who you have helped or who have approached you. Yes, of course, Asma. So basically, I mean, I've been working at Distill Ventures for three years as a, as a partner, so partnering with the different portfolio brands. But the pre-accelerator we launched in June last year, uh, we started in the US and now it's also in, 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 in Europe. Uh, we are so far with the, the the brands that are part of pre-accelerator. We're still, you know, talking with them, and with the agent went to whether we disclose or not disclose. It is at uh, the moment is confidential the participation, and basically the the principle we follow is if a founder wants to the, to to be this participation, her participation to be disclosed, then 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 we do it. But that is because it's just such a new program. We're still uh, figuring that out. But I can tell you that it is. There is a change. We see the change happening, and there we have seen several uh, brands that have uh, approaches, but in general, several brands um, that have launched uh, in the past two years uh, by a launch brands led by underrepresented founders that are that are bringing something very new and very different to to the industry. And I can I can have one example that inspires inspires me very much. It's a Cromanti rum. And that's a, that's a rum led by Kashane, who is a um, mindfulness uh, expert, but he's also an anthropology. And what he does, he builds his brand through stories of the Caribbean community. And it's, you know, these hidden stories, uh, stories of the el- elders, and they're just they're getting all the inspiration that, you know, what, what, what these botanic, botanical ingredients in his recipe uh, mean to to the community to the different communities in the Caribbean and also um, you know looking back to to many years ago and that's a very different way of building a brand and like Romanti I think there's several brands at the moment which are which are very interesting so so having said that it, it feels that things are changing and what we're trying to do at Distill Venture is accelerate the change and provide this platform for for the represented founders to you know to start uh, growing and telling sharing the story do you think the pandemic has helped uh, because of the kind of 
everybody who was in the rat race, doing the standard thing, going to office, going to banks, many of them were forced to stop and, you know, everything stopped and they went home and there was this creative pause. Uh, do you think that people suddenly, you know, now when there was silence around, you know, for me, I remember the first time, you know, when the lockdown happened, I realized that, you know, there were birds in central London, that they were so loud because finally the traffic stopped. And I saw all these birds that I'd never seen in my life. You know, I could see them, I could hear them. But because of the traffic, I never realized they were there. Do you think something like this may be helping, you know, what you're doing? Because people all had a bit of time alone, a bit of time to think. Yes, it's uh, yeah, it's such a good point, Asma. I think that the the of course you have the the the, the Black Lives Matter movement, but also that that changed a lot of you know it was, it was a big wake up call also in the industry, and I also during lockdown what happened is that people uh, took time uh, to think, and also what we noticed is that they started becoming more adventurous, and they started experimenting with new brands and spirit categories. Um, because they, they were just at home, you know, they started um, enjoying a new setting, having drinks at home. And they realized um, many consumers want realize that they really like um, drinks with flavor and drinks with a story. So that led to, you know, to different trends that that we see. I think one of the trends um, I think you would like is the mindful drinking. So I think we, we noticed mm -hmm. that that um, that that people at home, as, as you said, they post and they start taking a more mindful approach to drinking. Also, you know, the wellness uh, trend has motivated people to reevaluate re their alcohol consumption and, and lifestyle choices. So that's one of the, you know, that's one of the, the big trends we're seeing. Another trend we see is the convenience trend. So we see that that there's a growth in 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 this uh, ready ready to drink uh, really high quality premium premium drinks, but also the quick commerce, you know, so now you, you can get a drink, um, just saying a, a, gin, a gin and tonic in 10 minutes with a really good brand and a good tonic brand by using one of the, you know, the getters and the flings, the gorillas that are popping up around the world. Another trend that we are seeing is, um, and I would really like to see more of that, uh, is transparency. So I think consumers also they 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 now after taking the time they 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 really crave transparency and they they want to have their assurance from brands um, that have the same uh, principles like them, and this is kind of similar to sustainability, which we're still, you know, I think the industry is still still behind, but I I do want to see that trend moving forward, and I guess that the, the, the last um, I'm just recapping on this, the last trend that I would like to see much more. And not just a trend, just something that we'll hear came here to stay is, is increasing in representation in the industry, in business ownership. And I think um, um, that's one of the big reasons why we see that. And we would like to encourage more, you know, founders to 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 start thinking of exploring, um, you know, launching a brand in the non-ox space, but also in the spirit space. And, you know, just... Yes, I think that's pretty much what, what we see as the still ventures that has changed over um, after covid Yes, this, it all sounds so exciting. And, you know, for uh, someone like me who uh, doesn't drink, uh, I, I'm noticing that, you know, there's a lot of new stuff uh, in the market, uh, which is not, you know, because it, usually, you know, if I went out with friends and because I don't drink, I'd end up with a juice or something really sweet and yucky. And I'd pay, you know, a lot of money, at almost the same as they would pay for the alcoholic drink. And I used to feel always 
like uh, shortchanged. Like I got a really bad deal because I didn't drink. No one made a lot of effort. But this has really changed, you know, and I'm seeing, you know, there are products up there, which is, you know, very kind of sophisticated, layered. A lot of thinking is happening about that as well. So that's something quite exciting that I'm noticing. And do you, I'm sure you are noticing too, where people are adult drinks, you know, that are not alcoholic, but are very sophisticated. Are you seeing a lot of that as well? Yes, 100%. And I, we notice, you know, there's different levels. There's, um, of course, you know, it, it's just it's just people want a great experience, whether that's with alcohol or with no alcohol. It's just all about the experience. So we see that there's different, uh, you know, before it was, uh, we saw kind of the big, the first step was towards uh, alternatives to, to, to genes, alternatives to different spirits. And now we see the, the evolution into you know, just com- new consumption moments or, you know, even functional drinks. We have some, um, yeah, you know, uh, functional um, uh, characteristics. And, and we don't know what this is going to uh, evolve uh, because this is a, a, a never-changing space. But we also see a, a big, um, many brands entering the ready-to-drink space as well with really premium proposition, just uh, there's no 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 alcohol so it's it's super exciting it's a, it's a category where we are we're learning every day and uh what we see is that this is also growing beyond the uk although uk was the the, the kind of the birthplace, place but it is growing and it's becoming a global a global trend okay and i want to end uh this discussion uh to going back to something that you know you've 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 did and you studied which is sustainability because just you know purely the you know, uh, I, in my restaurant, decided to mainly have, uh, you know, English wines because I didn't want the carbon footprint of wine bottles, you know, moving across, you know, the oceans coming to me. And, you know, and I just, you know, it's been very successful. We've had very positive comments on English wine. And that's what most of my list is either, you know, wines created by women or by, uh, you know, or English. But I, you know, this, this, work that you're doing with sustainability, with waste management. I know that it's very hard, you know, because of the transportation of, of alcohol, which, you know, is always historically been bottles, uh, moving across the oceans because often the places where this alcohol is, it has been, you know, made is a distance from where it is being sold. So, I mean, just this is just the logistics of travel and moving things around. But, you know, just... If you could tell me, I'm sure there are lots of things that you are thinking of, but, you know, where do you think, just name me like two things that you think, you know, we could also all change in our drinking habits and, you know, how we could support, uh, you know, companies that are more sustainable. How do we recognize, you know, what is it that we need to look for when we want to support uh, companies and brands that are being more sustainable? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, of course, there will be a thousand answers to that. But I think an easy, an easy step to to, to thinking about packaging. Um, glass is uh, also quite high uh, energy intensive and also there's not that much recycling as we think there is in glass uh, to make this beautiful bottle. And at the same time, the, 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 the ingredients, the sand used for, for, for glasses, uh, for glass um, can be taken from, from places where it shouldn't be taken at in terms on the rivers and it's also hurting biodiversity. So I think thinking about um, lighter glass, but also maybe you know other 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 materials that are recyclable more towards a circularity, and the second point to think about, and we don't think about it often, is the raw materials of spirits, um, and it's mainly thinking about biodiversity. There's 
there's um, there's several you know ingredients that are much more um, environment friendly than than others. You know, so try to when when we choose a spirit of choice, you know, ask if, if this is going. Are they using monocropping? Um, is it uh, are they using really heavy fertilizers or is it uh, a raw material that is you know like maybe like apples or you know, raw materials that are not that that uh, that um, yeah, have high impact to the environment or many brands are now uh, using waste materials from, from, for example, the beer industry, from the sake industry. So I think there's two things that we don't focus on much is your packaging beyond glass and raw materials. That's great, yes, because, I mean, in the, uh, in the food and drinks uh, for the restaurants, you know, we try to get, you know, uh, you know juice from funky fruits or, you know, fruits that are surplus, you know, trying to kind of encourage and support uh, suppliers who are using, you know, uh, the, you know, the fruit and vegetables will have gone into the landfill, uh, trying to get uh, things from there. So, yeah, these are two very interesting points. I have really enjoyed uh, speaking to you. Everybody who has listened to this amazing lady will Google what she has done, what the accelerator program is, Go tell your friends, you know, tell them to listen to this program, but also spread the word because, you know, she's someone who is actually looking for that, you know, plan to give a platform to people who are diverse, who feel they don't fit in. Here is someone who's got your back and she's on your side and she's in a very powerful position and she's got money. So you cannot beat this. So uh, I, I, it's been great fun talking to you. Uh, I, I wish you great success. And I feel, you know, as a female founder, very proud to, to, you know, read your story and extremely happy to have talked to you. You can probably pick this up in my voice. It's just, you know, you feel less alone when you, you know, hear about people like you. You know that there are women who are changing the world and you definitely are. Thank you very much, Ara. Thank you, Asma. The feeling is mutual, 100%. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.